Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. I hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you as ever to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Always stress that through Serene AV, they will source you whatever home entertainment brand suits your budget, your vision, not just the world-renowned state-of-the-art Bang Olufsen equipment. Thank you to them. Thank you also to Cytoplan for the ongoing association with the podcast. Food-based supplement companies, so supplements designed to be digested as food would be the next best thing in terms of getting those vitamins and minerals into your system. And thank you to Cytoplan for an association with the podcast. They give us 30% off first purchase, 10% thereafter with the discount code DRAPER10R. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 10 and the capital letter R. That's at cytoplan.co.uk at checkout. Discount code DRAPER10R, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. Also want to thank Anthony Asprey and the Whole Man Academy. We're so intent on helping you enjoy life. We've teamed up with the Whole Man Academy, arranged for some lucky listeners to get a 100% free mentoring session with Anthony. By the end of this session, you'll be clear on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. I know Anthony's gone through this process as well before setting up the Whole Man Academy himself in terms of being a catalyst for his huge change to lifestyle, moving out of the city and doing something completely different to help other men. Now, we only have five sessions to give away each month. Act fast, schedule your complimentary session right now. Use the link in our show notes, just at the bottom of the show notes after synopsis of the podcast. And uh, check out also, finally, our company, Attic Box Audio. My wife and I, Carla, looking to bring people's life stories to life and a personal service to members of the public, recording life moments, the whole life story or key aspects of it, such as a relationship with a loved one that you may want to talk about, but preserving family memories, connections and voices. Check out atticboxaudio.co.uk. Right on to the podcast. 150 years since county championship cricket in Gloucestershire went to my friend Chris Coley, who is a local sporting aficionado for a catch up and to talk about that. So here he is once again on the podcast, the one and only Chris Coley. Chris Coley, welcome back to the podcast. Brilliant to see you again. How, how are you? Well, fine. bit sort of sad. Cricket festival's just coming to an end, and uh, every year one feels summer's almost over when that happens. <laughs> well, no, I feel that feeling. I feel that feeling after Midsummer's Night, actually. I always get a bit depressed when it's the longest the longest day or the most daylight yeah. is, is over. You feel the tide is, is turning. But it's been a good summer for cricket. The weather's been... I mean, people have complained about the heat, but actually the weather for cricket's been... Yeah, I, I suspect there have been less matches either abandoned or rained off this year than for many a year. Somebody will come up with some statistics, but very, very few games, to be honest, rain affected. Mm. Well, it's been, it's been brilliant to uh, be along to the Cricket Festival a couple of times. First for the centenary dinner for the Gloucestershire Gypsies, which is your club, and then in association with the Gloucestershire County Cricket Club, which was represented by the Chief Exec, Will Brown, on the dinner. We had a Friday of 10 days ago or so and then I came up last week and, and had a chat to you and, and saw Gloucestershire in the rally against Northants. Yeah, that was that was fun. End. That was dramatic. I had to leave, but it was. You had to leave. Yeah, yeah. No, it was well a couple of wickets in the end, and it was one of those. Well, Gloucestershire had, had to do everything to try and win the game, so they gave Northants a chance, mm. and the only way Gloucester could win was if Northants had a chance of winning, if you like, and it just it went pear shaped just at the end. But in fairness. 
it was great entertainment. But um, you know, sometimes in cricket, you you've got to you you lose when you're trying to win. But it's in a way, I suppose those sort of games do live long in the memory of fans. That that's part of the, the yeah. You wouldn't see many. You wouldn't have seen many a game like that, to be honest. Very rare these days. Modern cricket, there's less contriving than there used to be. There used mm. to be lots of contriving of de declarations to give one side a chance and that team captain would have to agree with the other captain that, look, we'll keep going, whatever. If we suddenly lose wickets, we're not going to then block out. That's not allowed. It's sort of, they've shook hands on it. To go for a, po a positive result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fair's fair. You can't sort of, with hindsight, suddenly stop trying to chase when the guys set you a realistic target. That can't go. That hasn't gone at all at the top level. Does it? Do you think in international cricket or anything, do people ever do that? Yeah, it has gone on mm. in international cricket. Even test matches and, and series, if one side needs a win, sometimes the only chance of getting a win in cricket is by giving the other side a chance to win. This isn't limited overs stuff. This is you know four or five day cricket, and sometimes the last innings, the crucial one, you've got to you yeah you've got to work things out, and it's tactful. Well, I suppose cricket's detractors sometimes say that the draw is, is an obstacle. I know obviously in America they don't like draws at all, but you actually think sometimes it's a genuine a result, isn't it, a draw? I mean, if you're, if you're ahead in a series and you just need to draw it. I you guess need so. to draw it, yeah. That, that's pretty boring, though, if that's why you're drawing. But, yeah, in you've got to get... Cricket's about getting 20 people out in a match, two yeah. innings, and that's your job. And there are all sorts of ways to get people out, often by enticing the batsman by lobbing the ball up into the air and giving them a sort of a, a chance of hitting a six you might just get him out caught on the boundary and that's that's part of the tactics i'm just i'm just looking at my coaster i put my pick my coffee cup up i'd rather be playing cricket it's a great uh, scene for, for talking about cricket it's got, you've got your racing trophies as well but you, all, all pictures of table mountain jack russell uh, that was an england tour yeah yeah, and in that one he did that was a done as a one-off for me. He's keeping wicket there, and the bowler is Courtney Walsh. That was the deal that Courtney oh, well. Walsh would be the bowler. West Indian Jack, great. Yeah, playing for Gloucestershire at the festival, and Jack keeping wicket. What year was that? Do you think that would have been early nineties, sometime. So Jack yeah. Russell's done, done well to paint himself. Yeah, that's cricket. him. You can't miss him. He's got his white hat on there. Yeah, this is the famous moustache. I guess you can't see. From no, you can't side, see that there. But uh, yeah, and the third one over there is when he went looking for elephants with me in Zimbabwe on the tour. And that elephant you see there is the first elephant he'd ever seen in his life. And the photograph in the corner is one I took as, as he began to sort of, well, sketch to begin with, to be honest. And that's the finished painting you're now looking at. How long did that painting take then? That was on. On safari yeah that was on safari just one he just went out for the one day and, and obviously didn't complete the painting in the day while he was there but uh, he went away to finish it I actually I wouldn't know how long it many days it actually took him but mm. um, I, the first impressions you can see there beautiful though yeah, yeah. Elephants, and one of the elephants next door is a an individual one of those elephants oh. one of his uh, paintings that he was one of his most famous individual elephant. I've got the original next door. Mm. People haven't heard of Jack Russell, younger people or whoever, but it's a famous England cricketer, but also he's a great, great artist, wasn't he? I mean, did he, when did he discover that talent? Is that always on a On a tour of uh, Pakistan, he went as a reserve wicketkeeper and hardly played a game and had lots of spare time. And 
he did some sketches and uh, he came back with sketches of the city, the town, the market and all pencil sketches. He came back and I remember saying to me down in Bristol one day, he'd got all these sketches, he was going to exhibit them and he went to a local cafe down the road, the Bristol, the Gloucester Road, not far from the cricket ground, had this exhibition. I felt guilty enough to go along and buy three of them and I remember now I paid £200 for three pencil sketches. One was a beggar with one leg, another was a market scene and the other was a bit of a market montage. Mm. 200 quid for three sketches. What year was this? That was about this this sort of same time, the early 90s. And uh, if I say that two of them I put in a charity auction at the injured jockeys charity football match we were running, they went for £10,000. Wow, so he's I, a highly respected artist now. Yeah, he, he, with his portraits now, would be getting, I imagine, in the region of Twenty, thirty, forty thousand pounds per portrait. You, what do you make of that? That his exploding into an artist then, in terms of his talent, because you have been involved in sport your whole life. You've been a teacher as well in a in a previous role. Nature versus nurture. Do you think that's just some people just have these genetic gifts? Have you seen that in in sport that there is something? Because we we don't practice and hard work are key in in most avenues in life, but there does seem to be people who come along who just pick something up very quickly. Yeah, and I suppose it, it's also in art particularly there are other cricketers i know that have, have become mainline artists mm. might not be getting quite as much money for their paintings as jack <laughs> but it's probably more the written word isn't it and the, the way we're talking here some find they can write leads them into broadcasting mm. yeah yeah to some, be people, a, some people create structure with words and some people yeah, with images yeah and professional sportsmen they need a bit of a get out don't they and do most you, of them don't have that. Do you think uh, Do you think cricket lends itself to becoming an artist because there's a sort of patience and a serenity uh, to cricket that, that crosses over? A patient serenity, not so much these days with Biff Bang Wallop. <laughs> in the, no, in the, sure Ben Stokes and, and Johnny and, Best. No, and yeah. coloured clothing and all that sort of thing. <laughs> oh no, but in the good old days, yeah. When you, cricket matches. sit for five days. Yeah, yeah. How many people are these days? Right? Well, <laughs> not many. Well, this is funny because we had this conversation before and I think I remember covering one of the first seasons, it might have the first season of T20 in 2003, I was at BBC Herald in Worcester, we yeah, went to the, yeah, yeah. the Worcester cricket ground there by the river, a beautiful city, by yeah. the river, river Seven, and we were, you know, it was a novelty, and there was hot tubs and all this sort of stuff, yeah. it was sort of, like you say, a glitz and a glamour to it, but actually for me, having played football and a bit of rugby at school, and you know, covering those sports and covering boxing, cricket was almost a counterpoint to those sports, it was a like I say, a serene calmness to it and a contemplative day out. A bit like actually in the States when I went to baseball games, I enjoyed that. It was relaxed, you know, you could get a beer, you could take it in, have a conversation. Whereas the sort of 2020, you're chasing the impact of the, the contact sports, aren't you? Yeah, and you mentioned hot tubs and all the other things. In the early days, they tried to sort of set around the boundary for those sort of games. They never had a clue that it was going to catch on as it did. No. They thought they had to add these silly things going on round about away from the cricket, but very soon they realised within the first few games that it was all incidental. It wasn't needed whatsoever. And the cricket itself stood up to the test. And, mm. and that's what people wanted to see, Biff Bang Wallop and balls flying into the crowd. 
It's interesting where it's going. I mean, the West in the Caribbean, they've got a 60-ball competition. Have they? Well, you know more than me, have they? Well, I think so, yeah, this year, which I'm not sure. I don't know where it ends. It's sort of like one over and see what's going on. Right, yeah. They're all all around the world now, to be honest, and and cricketers can ply their trade. The cricketers particularly who play, who like to whack the ball, Mm. they, they... yeah, they can play in these tournaments 12 months of the year. And you can play older, can't you? Like Chris Gale's into his 40s. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. It's not so strenuous, is it? 20 overs or even 10 overs, you're now saying, God. It's yeah. not necessarily an expectation to stay in for a long time, is it? No, you, you don't need to stay in. you just got to slog it. Yeah. yeah. But like I say, to that point of that sort of um, contemplative aspect, where I sat with you and a group of gents up at the cricket festival, it was cracking last Thursday, wasn't it? And we had a, a shandy and a ham, ham sandwich and... Gloucestershire yeah. were beginning this sort of slight rally in the second innings against Northants, but we were just having a chat and watching a bit of the cricket. And it was the scene is is beautiful. People that haven't been to the Cheltenham College Ground in the in the centre of Cheltenham. It's just a great architectural sort of spot anyway. But then you sat on this this big playing field around you and you're drinking the history. 150 years of Gloucestershire cricket. There. How how old is the actual college itself? Do you have any know how old? Well, go right back to 1830s, 40s, and rugby. Yeah, it's it. Legend has it that the very first rugby match took place between Rugby School, which is where yeah. William Webb Ellis got up and ran with the ball, Tom Brown School days, Tom Brown School days, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Cheltenham College. So that was early eighteen forties. Wow! So um, two hundred years. Mm, and then, well, cricket was around then, but not at the college till a guy called James Lillywhite turned up as the professional at the school and had the idea for staging a first-class cricket match. And Lily White was the name of, became a sports brand, was that the...? Lily White Sports, it was yeah. a sports shop. Yeah, I, I can certainly remember in my time in Leicester Square, there was yeah. a Lily White's. I don't know That's what it. they think. must have gone now, and it's certainly gone many, many years ago, but they were, mm. yeah. Wow. There was one down the road here in Suffolk Road. Because it's 150 years, so 1872 yeah. was Gloucestershire County Cricket Club was that the early days of the cricket club they started to play at Cheltenham College as their principal home ground or was that no no always their home has been Bristol this mm. was this was uh, yeah this was quite a risky thing to do to stage an event outside of the main county ground why would you want to mm. got to hire in even in those days some chairs and <laughs> some sort of stand and whatever so uh, no no they just had 1872 one game and about 10 15 years later they had a week and then it was another 10 or 15 years, the first ever festival, which was uh, 12 days. And that was what, early 20th century, was it, by that yeah, stage? Yeah, that was, we're not celebrating 150 years of the Cheltenham Cricket Festival mm. this very week. We're celebrating 150 years of the first ever first-class match. Do you know who was between Gloucestershire and... Do you know who Sorry. Sorry. Mm. Which Gloucestershire won, captained by the great W.G. Grace. W.G. Grace played for Gloucestershire? Yes, oh. you're showing your ignorance again yeah, yeah, now yeah. here then. Uh, yeah, W.G. and the Grace family are all born in Bristol and very much linked to Gloucestershire, yeah. And he played for a variety of teams, I did he, throughout there? Well, uh, other than England and the MCC and all that sort of thing, but no, 20-something years for, Gloucester, yeah. for Gloucestershire. And he was going to Australia on the, the was, boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 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 very much. Yeah, amazing. And so at that time, 1872, when they had the first game, it would be a mix of professional players and gentlemen is that gentlemen yeah there would have been some public school types there yeah very much so 
And would you have been a big golfing standard between the professionals and the, the public school do you know? Probably. Yeah, they they would have been. Wealthy. They would have been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it was split. To be honest, but I think it was till the mid, even to nineteen sixties. I can remember there was a major game every year at Lords between the gentlemen and the players. And the mm. gentlemen were the amateurs, many of whom captained their respective counties, and the amateurs. Uh, sorry, the professionals were the, the players, obviously, and they had separate gates at Lords to come out of the mm. pavilion. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to imagine this, and it may have happened actually in the nineteenth century in in football circles, I suppose, because professionalism was quite a relatively new thing in, in football. But can yeah. you imagine, you know, a, a professional football eleven Manchester United playing against the, the dog and duck? It would be yeah, <laughs> kind of bath, Well, it? how about Corinthian Casuals? They were one of the biggest mm. amateur club Pegasus. Yeah. Bishop, and then um, what was the team of Bishop Auckland? I can remember watching Wembley Amateur Cup finals in the early days of television where they sold out. Mm. Wembley? Yeah. You wouldn't remember that, but yeah, they did. It's impressive, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of dedication, but you, it's interesting we talked about this before yeah. we started recording the time that people, particularly young men, I suppose, had because, in a sense, to pursue a, a decent level sports career, you need to commit a level type on top of a job as well maybe jobs were less demanding maybe social Ooh. responsibilities were less demanding on yeah but in those days with football and cricket many of them did both mm. many many of them were full-time footballers and full-time cricketers but even if you're a gentleman cricketer presumably you're spending a couple of days a week playing cricket and practicing in the week and everything else you'd be doing more than that you were spending your whole life so where was your income you, yeah, you were on the circuit in those days, in the 50s, early 60s, there were many, many amateur cricketers. So the scene, that the, the, what's beautiful about the 150 years, I suppose, is that the college ground would have been, would it have looked pretty much the same now? Obviously, the people it, would be different in top hats, etc. Top hats, etc. Yeah, you've seen some of those photos we had up the other night. Yeah, being crammed full even more, the stands were bigger and fuller, queues down the road. But yeah, there would have been the odd marquee and the had to be some toilets of some sort or other and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it was, um, it, yeah, it was a, quite a spectacle, to be honest. It's, it's interesting that the people flood to those events, wouldn't they? And I've got a mate who was down at the weekend, actually we had lunch in Cheltenham, we saw the Peterborough United fans streaming past on the way up to Wadden Road to watch the football match against Cheltenham Town. We were talking about his club, because he's from Stocksbridge, just north of Sheffield, so Sheffield Wednesday. And the origins of that and the, the Wednesday name being when they came out of the factory in the afternoon yeah, on Wednesday yeah. to play. And Wednesdays, he says he remembers in Sheffield even when he was a kid in the 80s and 90s, there used to be Wednesday closing, which I hadn't really been aware of. And this, this Same here, exactly the same. Yeah, well, yeah, lunchtime closing on the Wednesday. That was fairly standard around the whole country, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was less of a focus on, on work. What was yeah. I was thinking about? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the conversation is continuing now around women's football and and I've had some candid conversations with women who are playing in the WSL. Like where do these fans come from to support it? If you want it, equanimity with the men's game, is it the male supporters who go predominantly to watch their club? Would it be like, for example, Cheltenham Town? You go on one Saturday to watch Cheltenham Town, you watch the ladies the next week, or do you? But then you're negating the travelling fans who want to go and watch the Cheltenham Town men's team away from home. And the question is. You're talking about being packed out at Cheltenham College. In those days, it was box office entertainment, wasn't it? Whereas people now have a myriad of distractions and getting people's attention is, is a big challenge versus that time when everyone wanted to get out and see people and watch sport. 
Yeah, and then when I was a kid, I just remember you'd watch Grandstand, and that was your option on the telly, but yeah. now, what have we got? Every other channel in the world for sport that we can watch, so yeah, your options are, well, they're endless, aren't they? Well, that, well, yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? There's a debate about, um, we're not allowed Saturday 3pm games on television, but then the problem we've got now is there's not many games that, in the Premier League, at least, that kick off at Saturday at 3 o'clock. No. So you've sort of circumnavigated that, whereas... There is, yeah, that you think you've seen a corollary with that over the last thirty years. More televised sport has reduced sort of the physical demand to be there. Definitely, all sport, isn't it? I'd be an example. I would sit in front of my telly rather than go and watch live. Yeah, well, unless it's at the college ground, you're a couple hundred yards away. So yeah, well, but that's not on television either, is it? So no, no. Why isn't the, do you think the county championship should be on? I mean, it's local BBC. It's, it's great filling of television. They they do just put it on when it gets near the end of the season. But there's probably not much fun showing a scene of the ground with a no more than two or three hundred spectators there. Mm. That's you can what, that's on the what internet, you get. Oh, now they're streamed. They're all streamed all over. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, we could switch on now. Well, if there were a game going on. Yeah. Former colleagues of mine, that's, uh, Kevin Hand, I think does yeah. sex. Yeah. It's Mark Church, sorry. Churchy. Yeah, no, he's a, is he a Worcester cricketer? Mark Church? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, oh, right. No, it was a Mark Church was a Worcester cricketer. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, I worked with him at BBC London, but he'd always oh. do the summers. Oh, so right. Like, yeah, yeah. Go on the road in the summers and right. cover the yeah, yeah. cricket. So it was quite, yeah. quite an idyllic, yeah. idyllic scene. Um, but does it feel the sort of tension in cricket? Because looking back at 150 years, it's got that history. And Will Brown, the Gloucester chief executive, was saying it's that balancing cricket between acknowledging its unique history and its rich history but also trying to keep it current do you, do you yeah. recognize that tension i'm not sure if it's tension because i think it's gone so far now that it's gone past being tension it's it's now the norm i there are very very few people that can re honestly remember the good old days of mm. cricket as it used to be what, what would you characterize the good old days as being just focus oh, on it just the, the sun shining and no rush no stress it would just sort of games evolved and time didn't really matter very much but perhaps i could be talking about anything here but well, i love that about yeah the big test series particularly the ashes in this country it's problematic for timings when it's in australia but when it's here and you you can tune in in the morning and then come back at three in the afternoon and find out what's happened and then Nothing much has happened. Then ten Nothing minutes, much, ten, ten, ten wickets, five wickets tumble, and suddenly the whole the game changes. I, I like that kind of almost like a sort of peaceful attrition to it, isn't it? That you, that but what what other game can possibly be like that? There's no other game. That's its beauty, isn't it? That yeah, for well, five days, three days, life. whatever you're doing, there's no game like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I agree that I think that yeah. modern life is seemingly very busy and mobile phones have heightened that and I think actually sitting and watching a cricket match for a couple of hours and you know not feeling overly adrenalised and then you can be adrenalised because something dramatic happens it's, it's a nice, nice balance and the focus it requires as well it's good it must be good character for, for people I imagine you know particularly in the field if you're stood there and nothing happens and then you get a ball chucked towards you and you have to react and catch it it's good good character building in a sense well you're professional aren't you if you don't do it you've, you're in trouble it's like goalkeepers, isn't it? Who play in a good team? You have to keep your your mind, your wits around you, and you know. In, in a good team, happens. yeah. I played in a decent hockey team at Cheltenham College, and it was horrible when you were winning all these games because you hardly got anything, anything yeah. to do. 
that was my worst sporting experience, keeping goal in a good hockey team. <laughs> Didn't even get a back pass in those days. No, no he did. You were a bit cold when it <laughs> yeah. came to you. Well, it's just sort of, you know, almost incidental. Yeah. But I think it, but do you, the energy around the cricket festival, is it, how, what's it been like this summer? We were saying it was maybe, we talked about T20, there, was, there wasn't a T20 offer because that made it slightly less sort of event-based. Yeah, it's, that's when, obviously when the ground sold out was T20 games, but we've had pretty reasonable crowds. If, if these same two county matches had been played down in Bristol, you would, I'm not saying you had two and a dog, but you wouldn't have had that many people yet here because of its tradition and annual event type thing. You do get some families and some people visiting for an odd day or two just because it's different. Mm. I suppose that's why Gloucestershire is still here, still coming. Yeah, it obviously means something to, to the club to come. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and the bottom line is part of that, yeah. And it's geographically as well, it's connecting what people in sort of middle to north yeah. of Gloucestershire with. Yeah, because there's the always been the whinge that Gloucestershire Cricket's headquarters is in the middle of Bristol and that's in Avon rather than Gloucestershire. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very vague area, though, isn't it? It's yeah, it's very vague. It, it's place. always given a bit of rivalry between North and South, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so do you, what do you, do you think is going to be in 150 years' time? Do you see county championships still still being there? Uh, probably, probably not. And how many counties might still be there? 150 years, I can't look too far ahead than a few years because mm. cricket definitely, certainly club-wise, is struggling big time. And in fairness, so are all the other sports too. It's just the commitment of players these days. That this is grassroots sport. Well, and club cricket. Club cricket and, and football and rugby. We mustn't just isolate cricket. It's, it's happening all over. But clubs are folding, clubs are amalgamating. It's it's happening, and the, some of the bigger clubs are getting stronger, but the, the weaker clubs are disappearing, and the village cricket teams are, yeah, certainly disappearing fast. And yeah, I'm I'm not that optimistic at all. So, what's the biggest challenge? Is it football swamping it in terms of people's attention? Or no, I don't think it's so. It's so much. No, it's not. Foot, football's always going to be number one, obviously, but. But the fact that football kind of seems but to be no football clubs. Football clubs are struggling to get players to come. It's a commitment of players at the grass uh, grassroots recreational level. Yeah, yeah, it's total. And life has changed. And they, yeah, these guys don't commit every week. They've got better things to do, or their family commitments. They're all different. It's I fear for where our sport is going. Do you think that will impact the elite level then? cricket, rugby, even football, the Premier League, do you think there'll be less people coming through? Because the, that local level it is sometimes a catalyst, isn't it, for getting involved? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I think I think definitely it will. It, but then, yeah, I, I'm a bit pessimistic, I suppose. I think I'm realistic, though. Yeah. Let me just, uh, just go pause there and just listen back to this, Chris, and just check everything's all good. Well, Chris, always a fun conversation, talking cricket with your good self. Uh, you're wrapping up. He said that you get that sort of sombre feeling at the end. You've got your racing to look forward to in the, yeah. in the winter, of course. But the Gloucestershire Gypsies, who, the sort of peripatetic wandering club of yours, you've got a big fixture coming up at the college, haven't you? Yeah, just I, ironic a little bit, but it's a touring side from Sydney, Sydney Classics, they call themselves, are over, wanted to play the Gypsies. And it just made sense with the festival ending. The groundsmen of the college are very kind to us and said we could use the ground, so um, 
we can have one more match on the square there and uh, the Australians can come and see what the festival's all about. Crowd will be quite quiet, I'm sure, but uh, tents will be empty and will be a bit, as I say, sad, yeah, but uh, it's still a great experience for everybody to play on the college ground. So Sydney Classics is amazing, isn't it? They're amateur cricketers who've come over and oh, yeah, they, to come over from Australia. Oh yeah, they've come over for a tour, but we've, we've all liked touring ourselves. I've never toured Australia, but I've been in most parts of the world playing cricket with the gypsies myself. So yeah, the touring teams back coming over, which is good news. You've been to Thailand, haven't you? What was? Oh yeah, the, Chiang Mai Sixes. We've been there for twenty years. And there's a lo cricket scene local in Thailand, is there? People playing? No, it's a little bit, and a lot more than there used to be. But this is just an annual tournament that they run over there and attract thirty teams from all around the world. It'd be interesting to speak to Sydney Classic guys because like, that's a huge investment in time and energy and money, probably to come over. Yeah, but the cricket tour is this it, one. It's off the field as much as on the field. Yeah. But it's inter it would be interesting to compare culturally how they are in Australia and, and what's, you know, the interest, whether they're struggling at grassroots level or not. But it would, actually, maybe... it would be interesting. I wouldn't have a clue. So I will make a point of perhaps asking them. Yeah, I wonder, this must be the world over. It can't just be here where the youth of today don't want to commit to play sport. You've got to take your kids to the pool on a Saturday morning and all that sort of stuff. There's more there you are. challenges. You, yeah, you're doing those very things. Yep. Yeah. Well, working weekend has always been a challenge for me, actually, in terms of oh, you, playing you, recreational yeah. sports. It's a yeah. big downside of being a, a sports journalist. But yeah. Yeah, I suppose in culture as well, Australian cricket, yeah. you look from a thing, but is it their number one sport? They've got Aussie rules, haven't they? And, and rugby well, union, uh, rugby league? Yeah, they all compete against each other over there. I wouldn't know. Is cricket? No, Australian Seems more rules comparable, though, doesn't it? The levels of the popularity versus, yeah. in this country, a football as a sort of lead and then maybe Americans got more of a varied sports scene as well. Yeah. American football seems to be predominant but it's not a long season. No, You've got no. basketball and baseball and even ice hockey. Yeah. Yeah, well let's stick to our cricket, football and rugby over here. <laughs> so what's the date then? The Gloucestershire Gypsies versus the Sydney Classics that people are in Cheltenham want to come It's down. the day after tomorrow. So, so that will be Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday the 3rd of August. Wednesday, yeah, if anybody's dropping by. 11 o'clock start, is it? It's 11.30 uh, start, yep. All-day game, old-fashioned game, not an overs game. You can have a draw. Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping for the revival of, of cricket, Chris. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, appreciate your dedication to the sport and, and conversation again. We'll, we'll speak soon. Pleasure. Thank you to Chris for that. There might have been a slight microphone uh, difficulty there. I was very quiet in that. Apologies for that. But thank you for listening to the podcast. Hopefully you were able to adjust it as we spoke. And Chris, thankfully, was doing most of the speaking. Uh, thank you to you for listening. Thanks for Chris for his time. And I hope Cree's less, maybe on the money about cricket, I hope that there is a sort of bounce back and then we start, start to enjoy more contemplative things and we can devote time to sports and hobbies and socialising because they're, I think, hugely beneficial to our well-being and certainly were to mine growing up. Uh, thank you to him. Thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, sponsors of the podcast. They're specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast. If you are looking to optimise your immunity, remember at cytoplan.co.uk, the discount code associated with the podcast is DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 1-0 and the capital letter R, 30% off your first purchase of supplements, 
thereafter. And don't forget, we're uh, giving you that free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey of the Whole Man Academy, a free hour, talk through any issues, get clarity, focus, game plan for any problems in your life, whether it's personal, financial, relationships, whatever it might be. Uh, conversation with Anthony, I think, will hopefully illuminate matters for you. And you can find a link in the show notes to uh, signing up for that free complimentary session, five of them available each month. Thank you to Anthony for that generous offer. Thank you to you for listening to the podcast. Please rate it on iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to. I would appreciate that and any constructive criticism. Just tell a friend. If you enjoy the conversation, pass it on. That'd be really appreciated. But primarily, just thank you for, for being here and I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great week and bye for now.